Today's show is proudly sponsored by Minding the Gap. You guys all know that mental health for dancers matters. You're on board. You want to see the culture in your studio change, but where do you start? Enter Minding the Gap. Minding the Gap is dedicated to seeing mental health regarded with the same seriousness as physical health and dance culture, and they come armed with solutions. Whether it's helping you craft policies and procedures that protect the mental wellness of dancers and staff, consulting to build a robust mental health program in your school or company, or providing mental health skills workshops for your students and teachers, Minding the Gap has you covered. They bring the expertise of the best dance mental health experts in the world to you. For more information, visit www.wearemindingthegap.org or click the link in our show notes. Hello, dancers. Welcome back. This week, I had the privilege to speak with Caitlin Sloan, who you may know on Instagram as the Brainy Ballerina. Caitlin is a dance educator and career mentor based in Madison, Wisconsin. Following a decade-long career dancing with companies including Ballet Tucson and Missouri Contemporary Ballet, she founded the Brainy Ballerina. The mission of Brainy Ballerina is to empower aspiring dancers with the tools they need to succeed in a professional career both on and off stage. We spoke about how she's built a business around helping dancers navigate their careers, but also about how she has been able to implement these strategies into her own life. She also speaks candidly about her own struggle with mental health and how therapy changed her life. From retirement, directorship, motherhood, and beyond, the brainy ballerina is definitely someone to follow. I just want to mention that no one on the show today are mental health professionals, so anything you hear us say are things from our lives and should not be considered medical advice. If any of the things we share resonate with you, we encourage you to talk to your doctor and click the link below to find the best healthcare professional for you. And also before I get started, I wanted to mention anything said on this podcast is a reflection of my dance experience as a whole and not any one teacher, studio, or company. The opinions shared by my guests in this episode are their own and come from their individual viewpoint. I am just so happy to have had Caitlin on the show this week, you guys. I know that you're going to enjoy everything she has to say and want to reach out to her and uh, see how she can help you to navigate your own career. So I hope you enjoy. Here you go. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Happy fall. I'm so excited to bring on the show today, Miss Caitlin Sloan, better known as the Brainy Ballerina. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me today. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're here today. Um, Caitlin reached out to me on Instagram and um, we kind of started chatting and I thought that your story was really special and I'm excited to share it with our listeners. I'm so, too. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive right in. Um, I first off, I always ask my my guests would love to hear a brief overview of your relationship with ballet. So throughout throughout your whole life, what role um, your mental health has played throughout your dancing career, if those are relevant, and how you came to be the brainy ballerina. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I started dancing when I was ten, actually. So a little bit later than a lot of dancers stories I think but I started doing ballet when I was 10 and I just instantly fell in love with it I was like that dancer who was in every class I just like moved through levels really quickly because I was just so invested and into it and I um so I danced all through high school I graduated and went to college for dance at Grand Valley State University in Michigan and then I danced professionally for two seasons with Valley Tucson in Arizona 
and then I moved to Missouri and danced professionally for seven more years with Missouri Contemporary Ballet, and that's where the bulk of my career took place. Um, and while I was dancing with MCB, I also um, was a school director, so I was doing double duty for about half the time I was there, um, so dancing all day long, teaching and running the school at night, and then I retired about three years ago now, and um, kind of immediately after I retired, I had planned to stay with MCB. I was actually going to be coming on to the company as the associate executive director. I was moving into a new role, and then pretty soon after I retired, my husband got a job offer out of state, so we ended up moving, um, and that was a really tough transition for me. I yeah. was like, I felt really prepared for the next step. I know a lot of dancers really stressed about retiring. And I was like, I, I got this. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I knew my path. I felt really secure in it. And then everything changed. And it was, that was really hard for me. I went through a lot of identity crisis yeah. trying to figure out um, what my next step was, you know, because we moved in the middle of a school year. So finding a teaching job was a little bit tricky. Um, you know, schools set their schedule for the whole year. So I ended up kind of in more of an administrative role, which I wasn't super happy with. It was really not my, I was good at it. Like it's something that I could do, but it wasn't my uh -huh. happy place, especially being in a dance studio. I think like sitting at the desk and hearing the classes going on and being like, oh, I just want to be teaching. I just want to yeah. be in here. And that's kind of how the brainy ballerina started to just kind of, you know, like just ruminate in my mind. I just started thinking, okay, like right now I'm not teaching, but I still have this heart for education. I want to teach dancers. How can I do this without being in front of the classroom? And that's kind of how the brainy ballerina was born. I just, it just came to you one day, like, this is what you need to do. And so, cause I started thinking about what's my teaching philosophy. What do I want my students to learn? What have I always focused on? And it was building smart dancers who can have a sustainable career, who are going to make it in the long run, you know? And so that's what I'd really try to um, teach dancers through the brainy ballerina. So it started off with me just being like, I'm just gonna do kind of a little bit of a side thing because I know I'm gonna go back to teaching full-time. So I just I just started making printable resources for dancers to use at home and their um, teachers to use in their classroom, just kind of being like, this is something that is kind of more passive so that if I'm teaching full-time, I don't have to worry about, you know, taking a little bit time away. Yeah, yeah. But then I had a kid <laughs> Things changed in my life again, and and I didn't want to go back to teaching again full time. Like I, when we moved from there, we moved again. Life has mm -hmm. changed so much, but I was like, you know, I don't want to be at the studio every night anymore. I want to yeah. be home, put my son to bed. I want a different lifestyle, and so that's when the brainy ballerina started to really morph into what it is now, with more career mentoring, private lessons. You know, giving me the opportunity to still do what I'm passionate about, still educate dancers, but have the autonomy that I really want right now as a mom. So that's really like my story in a nutshell. I hope that wasn't too- Yeah, no, no, place. <laughs> no, it makes sense. And I think I can definitely identify that with that because I currently am not teaching right now. Um, I still consider, I still identify myself with being a ballet teacher. Um, I do private coaching occasionally and things like that. Um, but I think since COVID, I know like every sentence these days starts with since COVID. Um, but I kind of came to this revelation that from I started dancing when I was three and dancing full time at like 12, 13. So from the age of 12 until 
all the way through my adulthood, I never consistently sat down for dinner at a dinner table with a family unit, whether that was my parents, a boyfriend, my husband now, um, and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yep, exactly. I say the same thing. I never had that in my whole entire life. And yes, exactly. With COVID, it just forced us to do that. And I was like, I love this. I love being with my family at night. Yeah. I love the memories we get to make together. And yeah, my husband works all day, you know, so if, and that was always our life was ships passing in the night, you know, exactly. We really see each other. And, and I thought, I don't want to go back to that anymore. I, mm -hmm. I love this. And I did just start teaching again recently um, at Madison Ballet. And I was like, okay, I think I want to teach, but just one day a week. Yeah. Teach at a school with a professional ballet company, because that's my background. That's really my heart. So mm -hmm. I was, I waited for the right job to come along and I, I only said yes to one day and it's yeah. perfect balance for me. And maybe someday I'll go back to more when, if my kids are in activities or they're yeah. more busy, but right now it's, it's what I need. And so it's, it's been wonderful. That sounds great. I love that so much. It gives me a little bit of hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's totally doable. I mean, it's just a shift, you know, I think, but yeah. I think we're really used to a certain lifestyle and yeah. I don't know that I would have ever reevaluated it if it wasn't for COVID. Mm -hmm. I would have just kept doing what I'd always done. So I yeah. think that was really a good, it, obviously a terrible thing that has happened, but I think that there's mm -hmm. been good that's come out of it for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'd love to talk about your business and I'd love to talk about the career mentorship side. What exactly is a dance career mentor? What do you do? What does that look like day to day? Sure. So when I think of dance career mentor, I think of as myself as being like your guide to the professional world. Uh, I think that dance training largely, at least in the U.S., I don't know about overseas as much, but at least in the U.S. is so focused on technique. So you graduate from your training program and you are technically prepared for a professional career. But I don't think that you're prepared for the business side of it a lot of the yeah. time. You don't know what goes into it. You don't know how to present yourself to an employer. And I mean, when I graduated from high school, I didn't know how, and no one, let me rephrase that. Maybe I did kind of know how, but no one taught me how to write a resume. No one taught mm -hmm. me how to write a bio or a cover letter or approach a director or how, how to choose auditions or about how to present myself. I mean, all these different things that go into getting a job that I think you you think about in other industries, you don't think about as much in the dance world. And so, and I, and I know from being the school director at MCB and from having that side of things that as a teacher and school director, it's really hard to fit all this stuff in. You can't do it all. Like I just, right? well, I, I tried, I would, I tried so hard to give my students these resources. I did as much as I possibly was capable of, but mm -hmm. there's so much more they needed. And I just have seen this gap in the education and that's what I'm trying to fill in for dancers because I don't expect their teachers to be able to do every single thing, right? As a teacher, right. I know I can't. When I'm in the classroom, I'm focused on technique. I'm focused on those kind of things. So I think that dancers need someone they can go to to say, hey, like, I have questions about the industry. I want to be a dancer. What is this going to look like? How do I do this? And that's mm -hmm. where I come in and kind of help educate dancers on that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because I know I personally didn't have time for a job in high school. Right. You know, and I don't think many dancers have, whether unless it's teaching dance, you yeah. know, like or choreographing or something for a younger dancer. 
But even then, um, very, very seldomly do we have the opportunity to interview, to, you know, speak with a superior in that in that way and have that relationship. And that's definitely something we miss out on a lot in, in those high school years. So I think that's really, really cool. So that kind of leads me into this next question, because on the show, we talk a lot about dancers having to learn how to use their voices, especially in the classical ballet world. Um, we've got these hierarch hierarchy, you know, structures in both pre-professional dance schools and dance companies, and you're quite often told that you don't have a voice, you're not allowed to speak up for yourself, and all of that sort of thing. So that's something that we really have to learn as adults. And I'd love to hear about some ways you encourage dancers to use that voice, especially when they're searching for a job or even negotiating a contract. Sure. Yeah, that's so important. And I totally agree that the culture of a dance classroom in general doesn't really encourage that. And that's something that I really try to do when I'm teaching is, you know, from the very beginning is really encourage dancers to ask questions. I want them to have an exchange with me. And I feel like a lot of times they go into a classroom and the dancers, I'll ask them a question and I just get crickets because they're just not used to having that yeah. back and forth dialogue. And so I really try to encourage that with my students from a younger age um, that they can ask me questions because I want them to understand what's going on and I want to know that they're comprehending it and that's important. And, um, and then as they get to start looking for careers, I think using your voice is so much easier when you know what is important to you. Mm. I feel like you, it's hard to speak up, you know, about things that are going on. And you, it, it, there's a thing about, you know, fighting your battles, picking your battles. So you, yeah. you can't, you can't necessarily go into every single situation <laughs> ready to fight that battle, right? You have to choose what's important to you, but it's so much easier to use your voice and speak up when you have security in your core values and what matters, because you know, that even if someone disagrees with you, even if it does jeopardize that job, that it doesn't matter because that wasn't the job for you anyways. If they mm. respect your core values and respect what's important to you, then you shouldn't be there. So I think just I help dancers really figure out what matters to me in a job. What do I really, really want so that I can go into a job and say, this is exactly what I need and I can speak up and say it. And it's not like in a, it's in a respectful way, right? There's a way to go to a director and talk and just have a conversation. Um, but just being secure in what you need as a dancer and saying, being able to say, if they can't give that to me, then this isn't this place for me and that's okay. And then I think when it also comes to contract negotiations, I think it's really important to come at it from the side of the employer. So you have to come at it from the way of how can I improve your life? What do I bring to the company? How will I help you? Because if you go mm -hmm. into the negotiation saying, I want to make this much because I think I deserve it. It's not <laughs> as compelling as if you go in and say, I would like to get paid this much because I will improve the company in these three ways and you will see that pay off for you. Yeah. Same thing you write a cover letter. You always want to say it from the side of the employer. You know, if you, when you, like when you read the job listing, okay, they're looking for these things. Let me work that into my letter, how I can bring those things to you. And so it's always just looking at it from the other side and taking the, the lens actually off of you and putting it on your employer is going to be so much more impactful. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I think it's 
It is interesting, too, because a lot of times I find dancers that I talk to, whether they're retired or currently dancing or getting ready to approach their career, they find it very difficult to talk about themselves and their strengths. Mm -hmm. um, I think quite often, again, that going back to the culture of the, the ballet classroom, and hopefully, you know, this is changing, you know, with, with teachers like you, um, but that dancers are told, you know, you're supposed to be seen and not heard and don't talk about yourself and don't, I don't know, it's so weird because it's a, it's a, a career that requires you to hone skills and to be very good at them, but yet you're not supposed to talk about it or yeah. be proud of it or any of that, any of those things. I know it really is this, yeah, how can you be on the stage and be confident in your abilities and, and show that aura that you're supposed to have if you're always told, well, you're not, you're replaceable. Yes. You're not that important. Someone else can do your job if you can't do it. So just like shut up and put up, right? I think mm -hmm. that whole idea is just so backwards because we want dancers to be confident. We want them to go on stage and perform and they're going to be better performers, better dancers, better employees. Yeah. Company if they can do those things. So I think the idea that you need to beat your dancers down into thinking like anyone else could do this job. So you better just do it is totally backwards. If you want them to perform their best, build them up, make mm -hmm. them. And I think that is so true as dancers. We do have a hard time talking about our strengths. I find that for myself. And that's one of the first things I do with my clients. Okay. What are your strengths as a dancer? And like you said, a lot of the times I, they're really, if I say, what do you need to work on? Oh, they could list a million. Right. Things. But what yeah. are your strengths? They're just like, I don't know. Because, yeah, exactly. We're not taught to think about that. But you have to know your strengths. You have mm -hmm. to know what you bring to an environment. Like, if you can walk into a room and confidently say, I am good at X, Y, and Z. And I know that I'm going to be able to do these things. And I will be here in these ways. That's so powerful yeah. for you and for a company who's looking to hire you. You know? So, yeah, I think for all dancers, like, listening to this, like, right now just write down like five of your strengths just take a minute and and go through it and just have that and 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 review it go back to it and just you know put in your head like i have these strengths and mm -hmm. i know i can bring these to a job so that when you're starting to feel down on yourself you can revisit these these things and remind yourself that you do know what you're doing you do right have, you are good at this you've been doing this since you were three years old or whatever yeah. like, you're you're good at things so right you, a very large percentage of your life you've yeah. been doing it yeah yeah, yeah and I, I I was thinking too when you were talking about basically how to communicate with a potential employer but I'm, I'm also translating what you're saying too into situations where maybe um, mental health isn't prioritized in a company you could go to your director and you could say, hey, you know, I know I'm having these XYZ issues. I'm sure there are other people having these issues. And from a bottom line perspective, if you have mentally healthy, physically healthy dancers, your turnover rate's going to be less. And it's way more expensive to hire a new dancer than it is to keep an old one. So, you know, if, if we have to look at it from that bottom line perspective, I mean, it, everybody wins. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. Like having hard data like that is so impactful. And like you said, you shouldn't have to do that. The fact that you're having issues as a dancer or having mental yeah. health issues should be enough for an mm -hmm. employer to take notice. But the, the truth is that it isn't always. And so having those facts and that data is 
so impactful and it's so much more compelling, honestly. So bringing all of those things to the table, I think is helpful. Yeah. Sometimes it's not necessarily about, um, I mean, yes, at the end of the day, we want to change things, but sometimes you just kind of have to work with what you've got and finding those communication skills is really, really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've definitely been low key stalking you for a while. <laughs> As we do to one, one another on the yes, Instagram. Totally. <laughs> um, and I was looking at your website and you, I'm going to quote just a little bit here. You say on your website that finding the right job is just a matter of finding your perfect fit. Just like finding the right pair of point shoes, the right job will make you feel beautiful, strong, and happy. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I love that so much. And it's such a great visual because finding that perfect pair of point shoes not only you're not going to find one brand and one configuration that's going to work for your whole career right mm -hmm. like your feet change over time yeah. <laughs> so we could we could use that same thing here um you know that just because you got into your dream company doesn't mean it's going to fit your career the rest of your the span of your career. So without giving too much away, um, just giving us a little touch of what you do, I'd love to hear some top ways you like to help dancers to find that perfect fit. Um, there's, so there's a few things that I come to mind, but you know, first is education. The more you know about your options out there, the easier it is to find the one that's for you. It's like, say you go to the store and they only have black. So you try on all the black point shoes and you choose the best one for you of the blacks, right? Like my first pair of shoes was like black Suprema. I don't think they even make those anymore. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, whatever you have your Suprema. Mm -hmm. And then one day you go to a different store and you're like, oh, they have black and Capizio and Gaynor Minden and mm -hmm. like they have Freeds. They have all these different kinds of shoes. Oh my gosh. I didn't know this all existed. And all of a sudden your options are bigger. And now you can find something even better for yourself, maybe. So that's what, yeah. you know, to translate that into jobs, it's like, I think a lot of dancers, their idea of a career is very narrow when they're students. I know for me, when I was training, I just saw with the dancers that were at my school, what they went and did. And that was like, oh, okay. Yeah. The dancers that I know went to this, these companies. So I'm going to look at those companies too. Mm -hmm. Or colleges. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I didn't think, oh, I should look at other places. It was like, well, this is what I've been training for. So this is my natural pathway. And I think a lot of dancers do that. And that really limits you, you know, like if you only want to dance for a few certain companies, and if you don't make it into those companies, then do you think you failed? Do you think your career is over? A lot of dancers mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're, if you can broaden your focus to say, and this work, this is where the intention comes in. So, you know, looking at what are your top things that you need to know? about yourself for the job that you want. So like, I was like, I want to live in the Midwest. I moved to Arizona and <laughs> I was miserable and it's a beautiful place. And I was miserable. I wanted mm -hmm. to get the Midwest so badly. So when I looked for jobs next, it was like, okay, I'm looking in this area because yeah. I know I don't want to live this far from my family or from what I know, you know, but for some dancers, location is not a big deal to them. It's just figuring out what matters to you as a dancer, you know, and then also I wanted to do contemporary work. I was feeling really stifled by classical ballet. My whole life, I thought I wanted to be a classical ballet dancer. <laughs> and then I did it and I was like, I'm so bored. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to do it anymore. I wanted to dance. Like I just wanted to get out there and dance. And 
so then I found contemporary ballet company, you know, and, and it was everything I wanted. Like I, I felt so powerful. I felt, I love dancing again. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's just for dancers. It's looking at what matters to you. What do you want out of a career? What do you want out of your life? And then finding, doing the research and the education to find jobs that will line up so that you can find that, you know, the middle of that Venn diagram, where is yeah. your at? Yeah. I love approaching it this way because again, it's been quite a few years since I was dancing professionally or thinking about auditions. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember, yes, I had like, you know, dream companies or places I would like to go, but the way I approached it, and I think a lot of other people did, was that, oh, I'll just go, whoever will have me, I'll just go there. Like, and the, and that's not necessarily, yes, you have to pay your bills. I want, I want to put this out there first because <laughs> I, I'm sure there's dancers out there saying, well, okay, easy for you to say you're retired and out of it and you're not worried about, you know, where you're going to live and all this stuff. So, yes, that is very important to feed yourself and have a roof over your head. Yes. But if you approach it in this way, the chances are that you're going, the, the chances are higher that you're going to find a place that is a good fit for you if you're looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, and if you start really doing cool. it earlier, you can start doing the things you need to do sooner. So mm. if you wait, you know, until you're auditioning to start thinking about it, well, now if you're like, oh, I really wish I would be joining this kind of company, but I need to get X, Y, and Z extra training to do that. Mm -hmm. it's, you're already a little behind, but if you can think about it, you know, earlier, because I know for a lot of dancers, we're unlike anyone else. We start thinking about our career, what we're gonna do the rest of our lives when we're like, freshman in high school. Like a lot of yeah. us have decided already that that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And not that it can't change, but if this is what you think you want to do, start thinking about it now because maybe it's like, okay, I've always really wanted to dance like Forsyth Works, you know? Mm -hmm. That's somebody that does that rep. Well, then you need to start going to places like summer intensives where you get the chance to do that or working with teachers who've done that rep or whatever it is. Like you can find ways to get the education you need yeah. for the job that you want, but you have to think about it ahead of time. Right. And that's where I think that disconnect comes in because people just wait until they get there and then they go, oh, now I'm behind and now exactly. I have to pay my bills. I just take this job because I have a, I feel I have a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. right now. And I get that. I 1000% have been there. Yeah. I, I did not want, mm -hmm. I needed them. And yeah. I understand that 100%. Um, but the more experience you get, the more you work, the more discerning you can be. Yeah. So the goal is just to be working toward the job that you really want and just knowing how that's going to fit into your lifestyle and saying, okay, maybe I'll make these choices now because I know down the road I'll be able to make these other choices I really want to make. Yeah. And you might even find out that, oh, I don't like doing Forsyth works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the earlier, yeah. And the earlier you find out, you know, what you thought you loved isn't what you love. I mean, the happier you're going to be in the long run and, and the better your mental health is going to be and all of those things because you're going to be more fulfilled when you discover. And don't be afraid, I think, too, to admit to yourself that what you thought you loved is not what you loved. Like, that's okay. I think yeah. that's another really difficult thing for dancers when they're looking for companies or finding themselves in a company they're not super happy with. Like what you did, you pivoted. It was hard for me to admit that I didn't want to do classical ballet. Like mm -hmm. I felt like a failure for a little bit because 
my school produced so many amazing classical ballet dancers and I just saw them all go out and have these careers and I was just like that's what I'm supposed to do and then to admit that I wasn't going to do that it made me feel mm -hmm. like I was a failure because in my mind at that time because of what I had seen classical ballet was the epitome and everything else was kind of like acetylene mm. and I had to totally reframe it to be like that's not that's what I thought I wanted, but I don't want it. And it's not success to me anymore. And success to me is dancing these kind of works in this kind of company. And it's not failure. It's a different kind of success than maybe someone else's, but it's what makes me feel happy. It's what makes me feel fulfilled. Yeah. So that's what matters. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. I love that so much. That's really cool. So also in your program, you mention a few tenants of your program. Um, intention, purpose, and strategy. And we've kind of talked to, covered a lot of those, but I'd love to hear how you are implementing these in your own life post-performing career as you're moving forward and looking for opportunities for yourself. Like, what have you discovered about yourself when moving through these uh, tenants with your, with your clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I... Well, this year, like, so I had my son in December, 2019, and then, you know, 2020 was 2020. And I kind of felt like I was just like, kind of floating through the year. Like I, I had a lot of postpartum, like depression and anxiety, and then also a mm. pandemic and my baby was a preemie. So I was also oh. very nervous about like, you know, disease. And I was right. so stressed out. I, I can't even like stress what a hard time that was. And and then when I kind of came out of that mode, I was just kind of like, I felt like I was just waffling. I didn't really have a clear purpose. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd always thought that I was like, would be a stay at home mom. And I was kind of feeling like maybe that wasn't going to fulfill me completely. Mm. And then of course I went through a lot of guilt with that. Like, yeah, how could this not be enough for me? You know, right. um, but just coming to the realization, okay, like this is something that I love. I, I love my son. I love being a mom, but it's not enough. It's not everything for me. I need, I'm a better mom when I have these other things. And so I started to really think, okay, my, my, I always have a word for the year. So my word for 2021 was intention. Like I'm going to be intentional about what I do. I'm not just going to wake up in the morning and just try to get through the day anymore. Cause that's what mm. I felt like I was doing. Like when having a young child, that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes okay. that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it is, and that's okay. And that's totally fine. But I was like, okay, I'm, I've, I've, we've figured this out. We've been existing on this earth together now for a year. Like, let's get back to a normal life. Let's figure out what, where our next path is my son and me together, you know? And so, um, I was like, okay, I need to be more intentional with my life. So that was how I started the year was just, okay, what do I want to do? And then really thinking, okay, my intention is to help dancers. I want dancers to go out there in the world of professional dance and feel prepared. That's what makes me feel fulfilled when I see that I can help someone with my knowledge, like makes me feel fulfilled. So that's my intention in my career. You know, so that's what I try to think of when it's down to work. What can I do? What is my next step to help dancers achieve this? And then yeah. you know, my purpose is, you know, it's your why. It's why do you do this? And for me, it's again, because I want to be able to be home with my kid, but still yeah. have a job. I want to have autonomy. I want to be able to have both best of both worlds, honestly. And so mm -hmm. I I had to create that for myself. I didn't I didn't find that it existed already. 
basically. So I had to find that for myself. And that's why I created my business, you know, so I could have more autonomy. And I, I like being in charge. I like being able to make these choices and, and follow what I'm passionate about. So that's my purpose. And then strategy, I just, it's really, for me, it's mapping out, okay, what do the next five years look like? Okay, what do the next two years look like? One year, six months, yeah. one week, you know, whatever. So it's just like- Reverse engineer it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's the answer is, okay, where do you want to be in here this many years? Okay, let's break it down. We're going to go back and um, figure out where you need to be each step of the way so that when you get to that mark, you're prepared. So that's where the strategy comes in, you know, whether it's something like smaller, like let's make sure your resume is prepared or something that's much bigger, like, you know, we need to get you some connections with people out in the industry or whatever, you know, just yeah. figure out exactly what you need to do. I love that. It's so, it's so nice to hear that too. And I, you know, a lot of our listeners are also retired dancers and they might be teaching, they might be trying to figure out what the next step is, you know, for a lot of us, that can be really difficult too. Um, but I love this like very structured approach because I feel like uh, without some sort of structured approach like that, you are, you're just floating through life and just sort of like, I don't know, unfulfilled. Yeah. You just wake up one day and you're like, what did I do with the last month? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, that's how I felt like, oh, I've just been, I've just been surviving. That's what I felt like. Which, you know, is plenty sometimes. That's right. Fine. Like that's all you can do. And that was where I was at with my with my life and my transition and everything. But I was finally ready to move forward. And I think that's for a lot of dancers. Like if you're starting to feel a little bit burnt out or you're starting to feel like, Oh, what am I doing? I'm just kind of surviving day to day. Like maybe you just need to reset. Maybe you need to really think about your goals and your strategy and and get excited about it again. That really always helps me at least. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. Well, two questions for you. These are the fun ones. <laughs> it's magic wand time. If you could change just one thing in the ballet world, just one, what would it be? <laughs> That's a hard question. Um, yeah. I, we kind of touched on this earlier, but I think the biggest change that I would love to see in the ballet world is companies treating their dancers as whole humans as opposed to just like cogs in a machine. Like if we could change that about the industry, it would change mm. everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, from dancers' mental health, like when they're dancing to thinking about them post-career, we talked a lot about retirement. I think that's so huge. Like I think companies, you know, they had their dancers in the company for many years and then they're done and they retire and then what? And you know, we're not getting paid. We're not, we're athletes. We're not getting these like multi-million dollar salaries. We can't just retire at right? Stop. <laughs> we have to keep working. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I really would love to see companies looking at their dancers and saying, how can we help you while you're dancing? Be thinking about the next step to be getting education, to be getting resources. You know, if, if letting dancers be a part of the company, like I always love mm. that at MCP. I felt like there were so many opportunities for me as a dancer and all the dancers to really cultivate our passions. You know, for me, it was teaching and running the school. For some dancers, it was choreography. For some, some people ran the social media. Mm -hmm. Some did grant writing. Some did cool costumes, whatever. It was like, if you had a, something that you wanted to learn more about, there was an mm -hmm. opportunity for you to get involved. And sometimes it was paid, sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> 
but yeah. you know, it was experience like experience and then giving you this door to hopefully help you on the next step and so i just love to see companies do that more i think it would change the whole culture of the industry and it would make dancers feel more valued as yeah full humans yeah not just you know another body on stage that again that they just see as replaceable and right retire and someone else will come in of course you have to hire someone else and someone retires but I want dancers to know that they're not replaceable, that they're important yeah. and what they do matters. No one can ever replace what you do on stage. Your your own, you know, unique style and mm-hmm. what you bring is special. So yeah. Being dancers like humans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, now it's the last one. Time machine. I'm gonna stick you in my time machine and take you back to let's say you started at 10, let's say 16-year-old Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would what advice would you give to yourself? Um, a lot. Uh, the biggest thing I would tell myself is go to therapy. Yes. <laughs> so, because, and I know we you said this at the beginning, and I didn't touch on it so much in my intro, the mental health aspect. But um, once I went to therapy, it changed everything for my life, for my career, for my dancing, my relationships. You know, I was living with undiagnosed depression and anxiety for my mm. whole teenage years and my early 20s. And when I went to therapy and they were like, oh, no, you're not like you have something <laughs> like we can put a name just, on that. It's not just in your head. You're not lazy, yeah. you know, like cause I always thought, oh, I'm just lazy. Oh, I'm just so anxious all the time. I just feel like so stressed. And it was like, yeah, there's a reason for that. And it's chemicals in your brain and we can do something about that. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden my life was changed and it was like, oh, this is, it was like my real personality could come out, Aww. you know? And I just feel like that's what I would have told myself. Like if I could have done that sooner, yeah. but it wasn't as much talked about that. And I think it's so much more talked about now. Um, obviously there's still so much more to go um, because I don't think even five years ago, I would have told somebody that I had, mm-hmm anxiety or depression because I would think that they would think oh she's unreliable she's untrustworthy yes. we can't hire her mm-hmm. you know it's what she'll do and and I think now people realize like it's just like anything else any other medical condition and you have to take care of yourself and do something about it and um, I think it's just important to say that to dancers because I want dancers to know that you don't have to like hide these things yes if you can talk to someone that you trust preferably a doctor Mm-hmm. You know, it will, it will change things for you. And that's what I want for dancers. And that's what I wanted for myself as a young dancer. So that's the I thing. I love that. I love that. Guys, I always say this in my outro, but I'm going to mention it here as well. In every episode show notes, there's a link to Mental Health America's website where you can find um, resources for yourself. Um, you can find providers. You can find discounted services, um, all of those things. Because I know as a dancer too, it's it's difficult because your insurance may not be great if you have it at all. Um, so it can be really expensive. And, you know, I, I get that. But please, please, please um, do your research out there and um, get, get some help, you know. Even if it's just short term too. A lot of people think that therapy is like, oh, well, I'll have to do it the rest of my life and it's just going to be this horrible thing. And for some people... Yeah, they enjoy doing it for their whole lifetime. Some people do it for a few months to get through a situation. And some people do it, you know, for a few months and then they might do it like twice a year just to kind of check in with their therapist. So it looks different for everyone. 
Absolutely. And there's no shame in doing it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it will make you, it will change your life. I I truly believe that every single person should go to therapy (laughs) at some point. Like I just, I'm such a huge advocate for it. I don't care how healthy, you know, you feel like Mm -hmm. there's always something that's it can help with, you know, and I, yeah. especially as dancers, we just go through so much. Our lives as dancers, we have a lot of ups and downs. We, we see a lot of things. So yeah, if, if there's anything that you can, you know, do to make that better, I, it's just like going to physical therapy. It's just like going yes. to deal with a physical injury. It's the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. you need to deal with what's going on in your head. If you want to be the best dancer, you can be the best. Yeah. Or even it's also kind of like going to a Pilates class. Like yeah. you don't have to be injured. Like to go to a Pilates class. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I love that. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, I would love for you to plug all of the things, Brainy Ballerina, if you have any programs open, website, social, all the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Brainy Ballerina. My website is thebrainyballerina.com. And if you are a dancer who is interested in career mentorship, if this is like what I've talked about has really spoken to you and you're like, okay, yeah, this is something that I think I need. Um, on my website, on the main page, I just have the option to schedule a complimentary consultation. So that's just totally free. And it's just us getting on the call and just chatting about where you're at in your career and me giving you some insight into how I can help you and what we can do moving forward. So that's totally free. It's no pressure or obligation. Um, just, you know, it's like a meet and greet coffee chat. So um, I definitely encourage you if you are feeling like, yeah, this is resonating. I think that I could use some help and some guidance. Um, reach out to me. Uh, just go on my website and just schedule a chat or just email me if you're not comfortable with that, the ballerina at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been really fun. We got through so many things Yes. <laughs> in a short amount of time, but it's been very informative. Um, I also feel very validated as well, <laughs> which is always nice <laughs> to hear someone's experiences that were similar. Um, you know, it's always, yeah. it's always good to feel that way. Um, but yeah, I hope you have a wonderful day and I'd love to have you back on the show sometime soon. So I would love that, Sarah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Wow. What a great conversation. I actually hung out with Caitlin a little bit after the show, and we just kind of shared more stuff from our lives. I mean, she's just so sweet and so easy to talk to. I mean, I really feel like I've known her forever. And I really appreciate how candid she was in the interview, um, especially when she was talking about her own battles with mental health and how therapy changed her life. I mean, you can really hear it in her voice, how, how much therapy really did affect her in a positive way. So I really hope that is a huge takeaway from today. I also love her approach. Um, I think there are a lot of really great coaches out there for dancers, but, um, one thing that really stood out to me with Caitlin was that she recognizes that we have challenges. And instead of just saying, well, there's a challenge, she actually has some practical advice on how to meet those challenges. Especially when it's when we're talking about finding your voice. We, we talked a lot about that today. And I know for a lot of you, that's something that you're struggling with or 
you have struggled with in the past and it's getting better, but you could still use some help with it. And she's got some really, really practical advice in there about how to approach directors, how to approach um, other people within organization in a way that's professional and gets the point across and gets, gets the job done, honestly. And I think that's really, really valuable and refreshing, honestly. Um, it's not something we hear about a lot on the show. We hear a lot about, you know, this thing needs to change, that thing needs to change, but quite often we don't really have solutions to those problems. So hearing her practical advice was really, really refreshing, and I really encourage you guys to reach out to her. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, go ahead and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts follow the pod on Spotify, and share it with just three friends to spread the word. If you have any questions, particular topics you'd like me to cover, or guests you'd like to hear from, you can email those to me at dancebetterpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at dancebetterpodcast. You can also always send me a DM there as well. Thank you so much for listening today, you guys. I can't wait to learn with you on the next episode. Bye!